The reading today is from the Gospel of John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Vicki. Grace to you all this morning in peace. Ryan and I have two cats and one dog. And if you ask us how we feel about them, we'd say we just love them. But lately, we've been wondering if that's actually true. Because the ways that we show love, they raise some questions. For instance, we recently decided that we are going to buy our dog a different collar in a different pattern for every season of the year so he can be fashionable. We got a placemat for our cats with holographic fish jumping out of the water to add some kneaded pizzazz to their dining experience. 
we are so regularly overcome by how adorable that they are that we squeeze them tightly in our arms while their eyes dart around the room looking for an escape route. During these moments, Ryan and I turn to each other and say, we're doing this for them, right? This isn't about us. Buying a frosted cookie for dogs with cursive writing on it. That's about, that's for him, right? Pet treats shaped in little hearts in pink and white for Valentine's Day. This isn't about us. We're doing this because we love them. There's something that hides itself in our love. An arrow. We imagine that when we love, the direction that this arrow points is from us to the object of our love. That love starts here and it goes out. And yes, that is true. And also, hidden away from our waking minds is an arrow that points right back to us. The arrow that reveals that sometimes we love not to give, but to get. We show loving actions, but our motivation is our own gain. Maybe we hope to gain that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes from seeing your dog in his spring collar. Or maybe it's the rush that comes with getting to see yourselves as a good person. Like this guy I know who bought a sandwich for a person begging on the street and then made him pose for a selfie so he could post it online. Sometimes there are strings attached to our charity, expectations of a favor in return, or the hope we have to influence another's decision, like assisted living places that send fresh-baked cookies to prospective residents. And most malicious is the way that our desire for power and control can hide themselves even within our attempts to love. People who are abusive to their partners can often delude themselves into thinking that their controlling and violent actions are for the other person's benefit. They imagine that what they are doing is love, even though it is so apparent to everyone else just which way the arrow is pointing. It's interesting because I think we hide these arrows that point back to ourselves when we are the ones giving love, but we, we can be pretty wary about this when receiving love from others. There was a psychology experiment done many years ago where researchers simply tried to give away $100 bills on the street. And they had a very hard time doing it. People were suspicious. What's the catch? They asked. What do you want from me? 
They sensed in some way that this wasn't an arrow pointing to them, but an arrow pointing through them back to the person with money in their hands. They couldn't imagine generosity or love that doesn't obligate something from the person in return. Today's reading includes the one Bible verse that even non-Christians are likely to know. For God so loved the world that God gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. I love John 3.16, but I sometimes think we treat it we receive it with the same kind of suspicion that people on the street gave to those money-bearing researchers. God can't just be giving this love away. God's got to be benefiting in some way. God's got to be asking something of us in return. Where's the catch, God? And in fact... It does seem like there is one right there in the text, doesn't it? Many faithful Christians read a major catch into this verse that actually isn't there. And chances are you know what I'm talking about. Chances are you've heard someone wield this verse to make the point that you've got to believe in Jesus if you want to go to heaven. That yes, God loves the world, but the really important thing is you believing in Jesus, and that's how you get the real goods. That the reason that God is loving the world is not so much to seek our good, not so much to give us life, but to get love back, but to get loyalty back by our believing in Jesus so that God can dispense the reward of eternal life for our belief. And think about what this would mean about God were it true. It would mean that we'd have a God who loves just like we do, with an arrow pointing back. A God who loves to get instead of give. A God who sends us nice-looking cookies, but only to influence our choices and to receive the thrill of earning our loyalty. This is not the kind of God that Jesus comes to reveal. The God that Jesus proclaims does not love like we do. There is no arrow hidden in God's love that points back to God. There is nothing God is trying to coerce us into. God doesn't love to get anything back. God loves simply because it is within God's nature to do so. God is love, Scripture says, and the love of God just keeps flowing outward and outward, demanding nothing in exchange, but blessing everything it touches. There is no catch. That's what this verse is about. 
for God so loved. And the Greek word for love here is agape, that kind of love which seeks nothing in return, that works for the true good of another, even if it comes at a cost. For God, God so loved the world, it says, and in John's gospel, the world usually means something negative. Elsewhere in this gospel, John says that the world doesn't know who God is, or actively ignores God, or even hates God, and yet this world is what God chooses to love. And so we learn that God's love isn't tied to any hope of having it returned. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son. And so we see that this love is simultaneously so central to who God is that God gives everything to its service and that it is so sincere that it willingly becomes vulnerable and woundable as it steps into our world of hurt in human flesh. The verse continues that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And here's what that means. It's not a call for us to get on the Jesus train so we can make God happy enough to let us into heaven. It's a recognition that God's love is flowing, whether we notice it or not. And it's saying that we have the opportunity to notice it. This is why Jesus came into the world, to reveal the God whose love runs through everything and to free us from everything that holds us back from that love. Jesus is God's sign that there is a love that is simply and freely given to this world with no catch. And when we encounter this love that is pure gift, it doesn't demand anything from us in return, but it does set itself to work within us. It makes our limited human love more like this divine love that freely gives itself away. It reduces the intensity of the arrow we place in our love that points back to us. It aligns us with the love that comes from God, which is always running through everything. And when this divine love propels us out of our hidden attempts to turn love into an opportunity for self-gain, when we do that, we sense that we have arrived at the very thing that we are made for. That participating in this outpouring of love is true life. Eternal life, even. And conversely, when we ignore this love, or convince ourselves that it has no power, we miss out. And like milk left in the fridge too long, we perish. We don't get a chance to do the thing that we were meant for. That's what that me word means. Perish. Lose out. 
But when by grace we do get swept into this great love whose arrow only points outward, the word that God or John's gospel uses for this is believe. It's interesting, the gospel never uses that word as a noun. It is always a verb. Believe. It's an active, daily trust that love is at the center of all things. Do you know what it means to exhibit this trust? In your families and relationships, in the commitments you make and the schedules you keep, in our world which seems to hurtle closer to despair and chaos each day, in your reckoning with grief and illness and pain, do you know what it means to trust in this love? We are asking you to pay attention, to take stock of how you are showing up this week. And this practice of mindfulness, of becoming aware of our own thoughts and of the ways that we are showing up to the world, it's really about three things. Learning to see where your actions contain an arrow that points back to yourself. Listening for where the current of God's love is making your own love align with that and wondering where you might be carried more fully by the current of God's love rushing through the world. This work of becoming present and taking stock, it cannot be done from a space of judgment and fear. But if we listen to Jesus this morning, if by grace we believe and trust in this love, then we will have a confidence that God is a God who loves the world, who gives deeply out of God's own heart, also that we might have the true life of sharing in God's own love. Amen.